Well, good morning. Uh, I'm Larry Burkhardt. I'm one of the shepherds here. Um, I've been a shepherd, I think, since 2012. Uh, so, you know, a little over 10 years. Um, I've raised all my children here. I've, I've, I actually got married at Otter Creek in 1986 in the old building. So I've been here since 1986. So um, long-termer. Uh, I think if you, if we were looking at this the other day, if you go back and look at the membership we have now, how many people were at the old building, it's only like 20% that, wow. that were over there. I know you guys were. Um, oh, you weren't? I thought you were. Um, so um, you probably don't even know what I'm talking about. But we used to be on, <laughs> we used to be on uh, Granny White and Arter Creek Road. And there's a, a church there called, I think, Strong, Strong Tower. Yeah, they bought that from us. It, it's a it was it's a great story. Um, without taking too much time, um, we own two pieces of land. The local government would not let us expand, so we had to buy something. And we actually had two pieces of land that we owned at the same time, in addition to the old building. And then this property came open, which those of you who've been around a well, while used to be Brentwood Baptist. It came open. They had sold it to a, a church called Living Word. And to make a long story short, we moved here. Living Word moved into our old building, and we sold both of those properties. So that was about 16 years ago when all that happened. So really interesting history. Okay, so um, here's the way this curriculum is working. First of all, the elders every January, the shepherds, teach the classes. So this is in the third in a series of four classes. I think last last week you guys did ministry. If you were in this classroom, it was with Randall. Um, and then the shepherding the family, um, that curriculum is about um, kind of what elders do and what shepherds do. Uh, and then wisdom is the panel of uh, various shepherds that you can ask questions and so forth too. So today we're doing disciple making which all along, uh, when I saw this curriculum, I was hoping that I would not have to teach this one. <laughs> the only one I didn't want to teach. And, and the reason why, this is really hard. Okay, you're going to see as we get into this, we, we kind of lost our ability to do this. You know, I don't know if it's the way of the world now. Um, you're you're going to see, you know... Um, so the most, I think, one of the better examples of this it, to the to the uh, that's visible is the way the uh, Latter Day Saints make disciples. So they're still doing two-year missions. They stop their college careers. They go knock on doors. If y'all have ever seen them walking around, that's disciple making. That is their number one thing is to make disciples. Uh, the good thing about this curriculum is I, I think it's one of those things that everybody agrees on. You know, uh, Otter Creek has a, a long DNA of everybody thinking differently, which is kind of what makes this place really good. And we, we, we respect those opinions. We, we respect that people read the Bible differently, and that's okay. But I, I really feel like this is not one of those debatable topics when we get into it. You will see that Jesus calls us to be disciples, and we're going to talk about what that is. 
And then he asks us to be a disciple maker, which kind of takes that to the next level. Okay, So this curriculum is called The Way. Um, you know, I, I guess the history of this is, uh, if, how many of you are, are, have or are watching The Chosen? So it's really good. And um, it, it, even though it, it doesn't fit, it's not apples to apples with this curriculum, you can kind of see how Jesus in The Chosen has picked his disciples, apostles, I'm going to call them that because there's a difference, and uh, the characteristics that each one of them have, and you can kind of see him individually preparing them for when he's gone, okay, and what they're supposed to do. They don't know it yet if you're watching The Chosen, but they've all been chosen for uh, specific reasons, and, you know, he's going to ask them to make disciples. So, you know, back then, after Jesus died, a lot of it was kind of referred to as the way. Um, and so we're going to talk about disciple-making. Um, you know, so I guess I, I, I'm going to read a couple of definitions to you um, about disciple-making and just kind of set the, the base here. So um, with, there's this document that's out there um, you know, it's just words on paper, but you're, you'll hear um, some of the shepherds, and a lot of times Josh will talk about Vision 2029. So that's our mission and value statement. Uh, it's probably about a 10-page document. Um, it was written about three years ago. And 2029, just so you know, is the 100th anniversary of Otter Creek Church. So that's why we call it 2029. So I want to read you, you know, right up. So, you know, it's a typical mission and value statement um, in Otter Creek Vision. Um, and so we have on here, we have core beliefs of Otter Creek. Let me read you this. There is one church. She is the community of people who have trusted in Jesus to make them right with God and to send the Holy Spirit to make them more like God. The church is a commissioned people serving God to accomplish God's purposes in this world. Therefore, we believe in the Great Commission. We're going to talk about that in a minute. Then you flip over to core values, and under the heading of intentional evangelism, we will be intentional about connecting with non-believers concerning our passion for Jesus. We will be creative in this endeavor as we teach, live, and demonstrate the power of Jesus in an increasingly secular American context, and we will celebrate when non-believers become Jesus' people. Our past evangelism efforts have lacked intentionality. We desire to change this. One more, and I'll stop reading to you. So this is under the subtitle, What We Want to Do in the Future. So, you know, this is one of the reasons we're teaching this curriculum. We want to be clear about what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. We want to equip members with practical examples about how to become and make disciples that go beyond simply inviting people to worship services. So we're going to talk about, um, honestly, uh, when I went through this curriculum and studied, um, I had to like, you know, really think about um, what a disciple is, what discipleship is, 
and then kind of reconcile that with the 12 apostles. So the way I would think about this is the apostles were disciples, but all disciples aren't apostles, right? So you know, in my context, apostles are the 12, and then we're all disciples. So, um, and then we're going to talk about disciple making. So let's talk about a little bit about... Um, so you see after I read that, Otter Creek Church has a goal, and it's stated three or four times, that we want to be intentional about our evangelism, and we want to be disciples, and we want to be disciple makers. So let's talk about disciple making. I think... Um, well, first, a disciple. And I'm going to make this really simple. A disciple is a follower of Christ. Let's just start with that. That's going to be our example and our definition for that. But disciple making is entering into relationships to help people trust and follow Jesus, which includes the whole process from conversion through maturation and multiplication. A disciple maker is a disciple of Jesus who enters into relationships with people to help them trust and follow Jesus. What I mean by disciple makers, a disciple is a follower of Christ while a disciple maker is a follower of Christ who turns and goes and makes more disciples. They don't just settle for being a disciple, but that's not the ultimate goal. The ultimate goal of discipleship is helping others to become more like Christ. Lastly, disciple making is an intentional, relational, Christ-oriented activity exercised by every believer to use every opportunity in encouraging and teaching others to know. Okay. So, we know what a disciple is. I gave you some definitions for uh, disciple making. Um, and obviously our vision statement, I read you that, it, it talks about how we do this. So I, I felt like I needed to... You saw the intentionality in writing about a Creek Church. And I gave you some definitions of what those are. Let's go back to the base of this, which is the Great Commission, Matthew 28. We've all heard it. Uh, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. So this, um, based on my studies, is the last recorded or written um, document of Jesus' last words on this earth. So before He ascended to heaven, this is the last thing He actually said to those around Him, if you'll remember that. So very important, right? So this is kind of where it gets hard. I'm gonna, and I'm going to put all of these up here at the same time so you can see. So although um, I think we all agree that uh, a disciple is a follower of Christ, um, and I would probably say almost everyone in here would, would say they're our, our disciple now, um, but disciple making, right, is, is a whole different thing. So just think about for a second how I gave you an example of the uh, Latter-day Saints as a universal organization. Think about... <coughs> Um, more of uh, the Protestant and the and the non-Protestant world of Christianity, um, how we do 
in the, the area of disciple making. Um, think about what, how we do it here. And then the hard part is how you do it yourself. Really tough. So, um, you know, when the, when the elders wrote this mission statement, we intentionally put that in there because honestly, we didn't feel like we were very good at this. Um, you know, and I've thought about that a lot. And, you know, um, I think most of you were probably drawn to this place because if you have children, great children's programs, another reason maybe is because Josh and Cole and Savannah uh, uh, just lead a terrific worship and praise service. And so as I thought about that, I thought, you know, we, we kind of <coughs> ask people uh, to join us and to come here, and then we kind of turn it over to Josh and, you know, just come here, Josh. Just come here, Cole. Just come here, our teachers that teach your children and, and learn how good of people they are. And then we kind of stop right there. And that's not what discipleship is or making disciples. You know, I, I, for a long time, I felt like that was really all I would need to do is just get them here and then let them absorb what's going on around them and, and they'll, they'll, they'll uh, stick for sure. But you're going to learn this is a lifetime thing for both disciples and making disciples. And it includes a lot of introspective thought on where you are in your relationship with Jesus now. So, uh, just, before I move on here, does anybody else have any opinions about this? I will say, uh, when I taught this last week, I asked the question, uh, let me just ask it here. Why aren't we good at this? As, a, as, as, as individuals, why aren't we good at this? Yeah. I think Becky. one thing that often holds me back from sharing Christ with other people is all of the damage that has been done in yeah. the name of Christ. Okay. Uh, in, in, in a society that calls itself Christian, yeah. uh, the church has inflicted a lot of trauma on people. Um, you know, I used to wait tables, and uh, servers hate Sundays. Yeah. And they fight <laughs> over not wanting to work Sundays because Christians leave church and then come and are terrible and mean and don't tip well. Yeah. <laughs> and... Uh, and that's the reputation we have. Yeah. And so sometimes it's not embarrassing to follow Christ, yeah. but sometimes it's embarrassing to, yeah. to associate yourself with some of the stuff that's going on yeah. in the community. I think uh, I, I had to Google it to make sure, but um, you know, the whole root word to, to disciple means to study. And discipline, right? Discipline and, and to be in the Word. You see that in their discipline. And I think that's the biggest yeah. maybe fault of yeah. Of Christians and for yeah. myself as well, it's it's easy to follow God and yeah. to, to be a Christian and know about God, but the whole being a disciple means putting forth the effort yeah. and remaining inside inside the Word, doing continual study. And yes, it's hard to teach other people Excellent. to do that if you don't know how to do it yourself. There's actually you're you're reading right into it. There's there's uh, we're going to talk about that. I'll say for me, I grew up in South Alabama where. 95% of people already went to church. church. Yeah. And so, um, for me, it, it, and so that has just carried over into um, 
my adulthood is just like I, I don't want to invite people to another church because um, I, while I love Otter Creek, you know I'm Brentwood Baptist probably has some really wonderful things for mm-hmm. people to meet there, and so this I I get this kind of discomfort with um, this idea just because I'm like why do I want to invite them to change from their church to mine? That's that doesn't seem quite right. Yeah, really good. And we're going to talk about that because we're going to talk about what disciple making is not. And one of the things is it's not just getting people to come to Otter Creek, just like you're saying. I think the other component to this is it's an investment, not a one-time shot. Like so, so often I thought that making a disciple was just dunking them yeah. and then God would be the rest. But making a disciple is a long-term process. Like Jesus yes. spent years with his people. Yeah. Like it's not a, it's not something that you can just invite someone once. It's it's you have to invest in that person. And like the Great Commission, I think we have focused so much on, you know, almost a guilt trip of you got to do this, you got to do this. Whereas some people interpret it of as you go, like as you're walking your life introduce Christ to other people. And that takes the pressure off of thinking that I have to I have to be the one to be intentional about all I can do in life is make a disciple when really it's you be the disciple that someone else wants to follow along with you. That's right. So um, in a couple of those definitions I read, relationships was more like one of the first words in there. And I think, you know, um, you're right. This is... Um, you know, not necessarily uh, uh, like what the LDS do, you know, knocking on doors of people they don't know. This is like a lifelong relationship that you, you have with uh, your disciplines on studying and all the other disciplines that we'll go through and then knowing the people. Um, there was an interesting comment about this last week, and I, the more I thought about it, the more I felt like maybe I was in this category. But um, what this person said, it was fear. And it was fear in that I'm going to put myself out there as this person, and then everything I do, somebody's going to be watching to make sure I uphold that standard. So... I'm going to put myself out there and say I'm a believer, I'm a Jesus person, and people know it. And so now everybody's going to be watching to make sure I'm this holy, pure person going forward. So that's hard, you know. And I think in today's world, in in the modern world, that's a large reason why people don't want to put themselves out there is they're afraid people are going to judge them. So let's define, you've already said a few of these. Um, we define what it is. Um, you guys hit right on it. It, it really, it, it's hard to be a disciple maker. You can be a disciple, but it's hard to be a disciple maker unless you prepare yourself to do it. And we're going to talk about those. Um, and, you know, there are all these things like humility and stuff go with it. So, Sometimes it's better to define, you know, what a disciple is by what it's not. You know, it's not this moral code. Um, it's not conv- convincing people the way I read it. Is they're wrong, I'm right. Um, 
you know, in today's world, it's either I'm right, you're wrong, or you're wrong, I'm right, right? So um, there's a podcast out there, which I think is kind of really neat. It's called I Might Be Wrong. And basically, they have the hosts are always opposing opinions on whatever the topic is. And then they have callers that come in or guests that come and speak to them and educate them on the topic. And at the end of the show, one of the uh, hosts is like, you know, I might be wrong about this. They're, so, you know, um, we spend a lot of time, I think, convincing people that I'm right, you're wrong, or, or the opposite, and that's not what discipleship is. It's not just educating people about the Bible. When I first read this, I was like, ooh, I don't know about that one. But it's so much more, and you're going to see. You know, we talked about this. It's not just baptizing people and saying, good luck. And it's not just getting people to come to church. We already talked about that. So now we know the difference, I hope, between being a disciple and a disciple-maker. So I want to tell you, does anybody know what that is? Apiarist? Bird, right? No? Close. My daughters are here. You know what Bees. that means? Bees. Oh. <laughs> I'm an apiarist. I've been for about four years. I have bees. I collect honey. Okay, and I, and I wanted to kind of weave this conversation in, or this topic in. So... Without just getting into this really, really long, detailed story about bees, is you know, bees, my bees are in three hives. They each have a queen. And they 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 have all bees have only one goal. Okay? Let's start there. One goal. That's all they have. Inside those hives, there's a queen. There's a court for the queen. They they clean her and feed her. She lays eggs and there are nursery bees who feed those baby bees until they're big enough. Most of the bees you see are foragers. They go out every day. They have about a five mile radius. They can go pretty far. They gather nectar and they bring it back. When they bring it back, there are bees that form kind of a fire line and they emit that nectar out of their mouths into each other's mouths. And finally, at the end, the last one stores it in the comb. Okay? Honey is produced because the enzymes on their mouth mix with the nectar creates honey. So, so we have foragers, we have a nursery, we have um, uh, uh, a, a queen's court. There are uh, guards that guard the entrance to the hive. They won't let the bees in the other hive get in there. Um, and then there's cleaners, actually. So there, you see bees pushing out dead bees, and they don't like dead bees in the hive. So they'll actually grab them and start pushing them out, okay? 98% um, of the bees in a hive are girls, she's. The only boys are drones, and they, they uh, fertilize the queen, and then they're pushed out of the hive. They're gone after that. Um, so what I'm trying to tell you is they all have all of these jobs. Every single bee has a particular job that they have to do. And they do it. And, um, but they all have one goal. 
Just like you got, all of you have different jobs, but they have one goal. Does anybody know what that goal is? What? Is it to protect the queen? No, that's a byproduct. It's not to make honey. I, I, you know, that's a biggie. There you go. Expand colonies. That's all they want to do. That's all they, they. Honey is just food to get them there. Protecting the queen is just so she'll lay eggs so they'll have more bees. All they want to do is expand the colony. You guys have heard of swarms? That's a natural process. That's when that hive. The bees have determined it's big enough and we want to split. So half the bee, they'll birth a new queen. And that queen and half the bees will leave and start a new colony. So all they want to do, that's all they want to do, their number one goal is to produce colonies. That's all they want to do. Making honey, raising the bees, making beeswax, the comb, all of that, protecting the queen, all of that is just so they can grow big enough to actually raise another colony. Part of the job of a beekeeper is to either prevent that from happening or grow different uh, beehives so you can expand as you go. And there's a long process around that. But think about that in the, in the um, relationship with disciple making. You know, we're, we're bees, we all have different jobs, we do them every day, but we have this one goal, <laughs> to be like Jesus, and to expand and make more disciples. Okay? So we talked about, you know, uh, uh, I think David talked about this long process, and he's right, it's, it's, it's only a first step. Uh, this is a verse that Paul wrote that basically just explains that he's not even where he needs to be in this process. The Apostle Paul wasn't. And he's still working towards that. Um, and these are, you know, you always have a slide that kind of tries to categorize things. Um, but the important thing about this slide is this is a lifetime. This is not, you know, like David said, this is, you know, 50, 60 years of being a disciple, maybe, before you, you're, you're doing all these, all the way for, to multiplying. So, here's where we talked about um, the process. So, one of, our, one of the reasons we're not good at it is, is because our, we're not prepared ourselves. And, you know, I, I think what I've learned by teaching this curriculum is um, there's this entire discipline that we'll, we'll talk about a little bit here that, you know, prepares you to be a disciple maker. And I know some people um, have opportunities when they're a, a, a newer Christian or immature Christian to be disciples. But I think for the most part, it's this preparing yourself and living this life in order that you can make disciples. Okay, I, I, I do want to say, though, that we have to be careful not to think that we have to be perfect before we can become mm -hmm. disciple-makers. Like, I, I agree that we need to be wise and judicious about, you know, who's leading who, but at the same time, we're, we're removing 
what God can do if we think that we have to be a certain way before we can if we if we wait till we're sinless before we make a disciple, we're never gonna get there. That's right. You know, so here's some of these disciplines. You know, like I said, you see the word disciple in disciplines, that's not a coincidence, I think. You know, scripture reading, memorizing, reflecting, prayer and fasting, worship, service and giving, silence and solitude, discernment. Um, So, you know, we could teach a class on every one of these. And these aren't all inclusive by any means. You don't have to check every box like David said, and we're never going to be really good, great at any of them. But I think the message I'm trying to give you is this is part of us being a disciple, all of these. And it prepares us in a lot of ways to make other disciples. It's kind of hard to go out there and be cold with this unless you're doing some of these things. And then evangelism. So think about this. You know... Um, so last week I taught this at West End, and when you do that, you co-teach. So uh, my partner in this is right across the hall, Kevin Colvett. Many of you know him. He's really big. He's a, 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 a civil engineer specializing in water, and he uses his profession uh, in the Living Water Initiative. So you know they're well over a thousand wells, you know all that stuff. That's their kind of way to make disciples is they use this ministry and do clean water. And um, so he he had this slide that he used, and I didn't use it because it's, it's very unique to his situation. But it was a um, picture of this outdoor classroom, and it had about 40 men in it, and it was in Chad. And he what he explained was, is th- this is a, a, a class where we are teaching these men how to go make disciples. And it was kind of like, you know, God sending the disciples out two by two. They were going to learn how to do this, and then they were going to go forth and preach. And, he, and you know, which is, that sounds very extreme to us, right? Uh, what, what really kind of uh, caught my attention was he actually pinpointed about five or six of these people in this picture that aren't alive now because of what they did. So heavily Muslim country, you know, um, it was just really moving. He said, you know, these five or six guys, and he pointed them out, they're either not alive or they're in jail right now because of what they've done. So um, I, I say that to, to, to kind of bring this slide up is, you know, think about how you became, you know, a Christian. And... Um, I think a lot of us would say, you know, kind of like today, we have baby dedication Sunday, and we kind of point out um, in that service today how the first person those babies are going to look at for spiritual guidance is going to be their mom and dad, and we put a bunch of pressure on them to do that. But that's not always how it happens, right? I mean, some people, um, you know, have stories like these guys in Chad or some you know, God just came in and taught me, you know, uh, about Jesus, and I became a Christian. Is, does anybody, I mean, I don't want to put anybody on the spot, but does anybody want to share their own story that, you know, you feel like you would uh, be able to tell that story? 
how you became a disciple? I know that's a hard one. Yeah, most of it is is parent driven. Um, anyway, that's always a hard one. Uh, and then you know, what are we doing to continue growing? I think we we saw that. Um, I'm going to move pretty fast after this. Relationships, I think, is the top, right? If you're going to be a disciple maker, uh, you know, be open about your your faith. You know, be open about your doubt. I mean, um, I think that's one of the great things about Otter Creek is we're not afraid to say we don't know the answer, and um, and because we don't, we just don't, and that's okay. We're not going to get finished, so I'm going to try to get to the important part. So, what do we need to do? Let's get away from our own selves. But what do we need to do at Otter Creek to be better at this? What can we do? I mean, it's hard, right? I mean, those of that you were in Randall's class last week, I think he probably told you about all these service opportunities that we have. With you know, exile, living water, Green Street, um, all of these things that um, if you're not careful, you can say that's all we're going to do. You know, uh, it, the more I studied this, I felt like this is a personal thing with me. It's like, what am I going to do to make this better? Did you have a comment? Yeah, even what you said made me think of a few things. I think a huge thing is to always encourage people to experience God, either one being the hands and feet, so to speak, mm-hmm. serving people. I think, you know, Churches of Christ, at least, you know, from the South or how I've grown up, has always been about teaching the head truth about God. You know, it's like, here's the Bible, here's the correct answer to things, you know, according to the Bible, we believe this, 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 and it's always so firm in that. And there, there's value to that, of course. But mm-hmm. I think when people experience God, however that looks, sometimes something terrible happens in their life and they feel the love of God maybe from other people. Just that experiential component of church or having churches encourage that is really powerful, especially for young people, I think, you know, teenagers. I could, When you asked the question about when I became a Christian, I was, like you said, kind of grew up in it. Mm-hmm. But I remember a specific night when I was about 18 years old where I was having deep prayer, deep thought, all this stuff, and I really feel like I had an experiential thing with God. And from that moment on, I, I know I can't not follow Him, Very good. if that makes sense. And I think a lot of people have those. Sometimes they can come on all kinds of experiences, but I feel like that's a really big key to help encourage people to get to. So... Uh, I grew up in a, a, a Baptist church environment as all the way as a child to, a, to through college. And, um, you know, one of the things I miss about that is, um, you know, there was um, expectations for the membership there to save people. You know, I mean, it was always talked about. Um, I, you know, we weren't particularly great at training you to do it, but 
uh, it was always talked about, you know, did anybody save anybody this week? <laughs> That's what they would ask you. Did you save anybody this week? You know, and, and you know, that, I don't know if they still do that. I haven't been back in the Baptist church for over 30 years, but it was a huge expectation. And, you, you know, you learn these five things, and, you know, they were on your fingers, all of sin to come short of the glory of God, and just right on, you know. Um, um, so anyway, we're really out of time. And, you know, my objective was not for you to leave this room and be an expert on disciple-making. I just wanted to make sure that, first of all, you know it's a priority with Otter Creek. You know it's a priority with Jesus. You know that you're a disciple. And we are asked to be disciple-makers. And it kind of starts... We know what it isn't. We're not so perfectly to know what it is, in my opinion, but we kind of know what it isn't. Uh, I'm, the last thing I'm going to read to you is just uh, right out of, out of Matthew. Uh, and it, it's, the, it's the parable of the sower. So think about this in terms of what you've learned today about being a disciple and a disciple maker. Okay? Listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away with what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root... He lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, because of the word, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of his wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it, he produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So think about that in terms of, of um, you easily could interject the disciple maker in almost every one of those, and it would be a different story. Thank you for coming. We're done.